Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. This noisy environment is Lisbon Airport, and this has become our makeshift studio for this week's Full Throttle podcast here at Eurosport. As we look back on all of the action on a very dramatic weekend of World Superbike Racing at Portimao on Portugal's Algarve. Now, we were back in action after nine weekends with no racing, and we went into the weekend with Jonathan Ray looking as the strongest, following a very, very strong test there three weeks earlier. In World Supersports, it was Sandro Cortese's to lose. He's still the championship leader, but Luca Mayas wanted a very strong weekend after a weak weekend, quite honestly, and a loss of confidence at Mizano 10 weeks before. As for Supersport 300 and Superstock 1000, the titles could have been sewn up in favour of Anna Carrasco and Marcus Reiterberger, the Spanish and German riders. Well, it might be busy here in Lisbon Airport, really is bringing you into the heart of just what it's like perhaps to travel around with the World Superbike Championship but back in Portimao last night I sat down in a nice calm quiet environment the Eurosport commentary box with Freddie Spencer well it's just almost five o'clock here at Portimao we're just winding down we've recorded a few links for the Eurosport highlights programs from the Portuguese round and it's Greg Haynes and Freddie Spencer here in the latest full throttle podcast <sighs> sorry I'm out of breath I've been running around the paddock but Freddie, what a day. I mean, what a weekend. Some real surprises, some great overtaking. Where do we start? Well, let's start with the, the order of the races. I think that's the best way because they, as, we, as you already mentioned, uh, or not on the podcast, but they changed the format of the Sunday afternoon. And, and I think it was a good thing to do after experiencing it because, and we'll see how the fans feel about it, is... Having the World Superbike race as the last round, you know, of the day or the last race of the day is kind of building up to that. The other shows, I think, is, is unique because they actually, the excitement level, the unpredictability of those shows are in the beginning. And it kind of gets yeah. you, you know, going for the day. And I know yeah. even for us doing the broadcast, that was a very good thing. And so let's start off with the 1,000 Superstock and Reinberger had the chance to wrap up the championship today. He didn't get pole position in the other five out of six rounds he did. Sandy was on, on pole, and Sandy felt that he had a really good ch chance of winning today. Um, and also Tamburini, um, who we really didn't talk about him, but we, we you know, I, I watched him in practice and he looked pretty strong. 
And um, I thought he really controlled the race. And, you know, it's interesting. We, we mentioned it in, in the Friday practice sessions about how the thousands really weren't any much quicker than the 600s. And it shows the difficulty of sections two and three specifically. Um, but even section one would probably be third most difficult. Section four, the high speed, 15, uh, 14 and 15 is pretty straightforward in the front straightaway. But the elevation changes, uh, the descending braking zones, um, the fact of, of really choosing the right line over the stutter bumps, through the stutter bumps, really played havoc on the 1000s. And I thought it was a great race. And it certainly set it up for a lot, great last round at Magna Coors. We were expecting at least one title to be won today, weren't we? Of course, Supersport 300 was the other one, but it really was a good stock thousand race, a great race, actually. Tactical strategy involved there, some good overtakes. And I agree with you. I think the order was much better, much more logical. And I suppose from another point of view, I know Dorna likes to avoid clashes with the Formula One race star. We've had the Singapore Grand Prix this weekend. There may have been a little bit of an overlap, sure. but mostly they avoid a clash there as well now. Yeah, because they pushed the, the Superbike race to 315. Um, EU basically start tying or well actually it was 3.15 here so it's that, that's what it would be or that's what it was in the UK this weekend but 15.15 yeah. uh, 15. so I, you know I think it was pretty good. Now the 300 race, the one that, that is uh, in many ways the most exciting, there's so many stories going in that race. You have just the issue of, of Scott Smart and them trying to, to put in some you know, raising the RPM back on the KTM to allow them to, to get there. We know the, the horsepower advantage is the Kawasaki KTM and the Yamaha in order of Kawasaki has most power, the Yamaha on the least. There's about six horsepower difference. Doesn't sound like a lot, but it is, as you mentioned before, percentage of total horsepower mm -hmm. is quite a bit. The other thing they're trying to do, obviously, is the weight issues where you have the very light riders on a bike that is, that is light, maybe the lightest, the combination. They have to add so much weight that, you know, putting it in the right place to where it doesn't affect the handling of the bike is a real issue because the whole uh, riding style of the 300 bikes is all about carrying speed and it's all about... <laughs> We're just doing a podcast five, ten minutes? Yeah, okay. Just one people. Yeah, yeah, you go ahead. Oh, we'll keep that in actually. That's just yeah, Sandra, exactly. one of our technicians. Well, that's what happens. Yeah. So, do you want to say hello for the podcast, Sandra? What's yeah. hello. Oh, oh, hello. <laughs> it's the Eurosport podcast. Sandra so, is uh, one of the audio the technicians. Style, the whole riding style of the 300 such, it's all about carrying speed and yeah. anything that affects that, which it does. Added weight yes. it does. Yeah. And those um, bikes are so small, they physically cannot get too much weight on them no, can you exactly. well you can't put weight on them and not affect them mm. because they are mm. so small they are so light you know not much horsepower and so you can't really compensate for it. but anyway it is the rules and it is the way it is and so you could say that anna short of you know started out maybe the kawasaki's did have an advantage they still seem to be working pretty well um obviously first and second the race today but the excitement certainly was was anna going to be the first yeah. rider to win a solo female world championship. We got that corrected today. By Tim Reeves, none other yes. than Tim Reeves, sidecar star, because he pointed out that, of course, in 2016, right. we had a female competitor winning in sidecar. So that's thank you very right. much, Tim. That's right. So <laughs> it is what it is. So that's right. Anna Krasko would be the first female rider to be a solo road race yeah. world champion. Yeah. And, and everyone was expecting, you know, the crowd, the really great crowd today, as we were saying, this huge grandstand here at Portimao, 17,000, and we'll, we'll see. It. The very top was all the way yeah. down the front straightaway was a decent crowd. 
you know, so certainly probably the biggest crowd they've ever had at a World Superbike race here in the 10 years. Don't know that for sure, but you would know better than me, but it certainly looks strong. And, and maybe, you know, the, the storyline, certainly Anna's storyline, maybe had some, some effect with that, seeing everybody wanted to see if history was going to be made today. But she wasn't able to do it, but she did hang in there. And yeah. with some of the crashes that were at the end, you know, she's still 10 points up going into the last round. Indeed, what will happen at Magna Cura, of course, it's going to be much colder there. You would imagine it's going to be possibly wet as well. But time will tell. Time will tell. We'll find out, of course, next weekend. Very quickly, though, Scott Daru, that was a really, really yes. mature. I think it was 1.2 seconds lead in the end, which is big for the 300 class. It was. And watching him in practice on Friday, I thought he was definitely the strongest in a complete lap, which, as I said in the show, is the learning curve of young riders. The most difficult thing under pressure when you're pushing is to be consistent. And, and consistently not make mistakes. And, and Daru today put, put everything together. And he won by a bigger margin than we normally see in a 300 race. As for Supersport 600, I really can't believe yeah, what crazy. happened there. Now, I don't know if all of you have seen that one yet. So if you don't want to hear the result, stop the podcast now. We'll give you a few seconds. Put us on mute or something. Uh, because, of course, it wasn't in the program over the weekend. We were showing BSB action at the time. But you can watch that back on the highlights and on the Eurosport player. We can now talk about it. Luca Myers, I've never seen anything quite like it. He dominated the weekend, Freddie. He'd worked so hard over the winter break, sorry, the uh, summer break. Um, and then it all goes wrong on the last lap. The tyre goes flat and then the red flag comes out. So he thinks he's lost the race. Then he thinks he's been reinstated because you go back to the last full lap. He's then got five minutes to get back round into the pit lane. We think it took him about six, but whether he did or not, he cut the pit lane entrance, didn't he? He took an extended route, and so they took that away from him. That is such cool look. Well, yeah, it is, and, and as you said, he put in a lot of work. You know, he, the defending world champion, as I've said many times, it's one thing to win it, it's really difficult to re retain it, and he showed that inconsistency in the beginning of the season, and maybe a little bit of complacency in, in his preparation, in his focus, but he's gotten it back, and he said himself he went back over the summer break, and he watched all the previous races in the season, mm -hmm. got himself back in it, and, and he looked great beginning on Friday. And so did Karakasulu also. He, I thought he looked very strong, and Cluzel too. Uh, Lucas Strong on Friday, as, as we'll talk about in a minute. Yeah, but yeah. Lucas Myers, I don't think even if he would have chose the right pin entrance, which is the official one, leading out of turn 15 in onto the front straightaway, he chose the blocked off entrance that's oh. between 14 and 15, which is too soon to get into pit lane. Uh, he still is beyond five minutes. and. So it's, it's, it's just cruel luck for him. But what about what Cortese tried on the past second lap in the race, <laughs> trying to make that pass, going down in turn five? No way. He couldn't make it. And, and the margin of error of that was so a few degrees. That's how tricky that, that corner is. Downhill entrance, a little bit off camber, right before you get to the middle of the corner. And he just was unfortunate. And really the sad part was he took out. Jules Clusel didn't do anything wrong, and Clusel looks so strong as we know in practice and qualifying. I'm just remembering as well Borja Sanchez from the 300 race, quickly going back to that. He was a judge to have exceeded track limits at the last corner and take Luca Grunwald down, so he's lost his chance now of winning the title when we get to Magnicor. There's the three first classes. Superbike then, uh, Jonathan Ray, anything of his own, he really is. 
Jonathan just controls the pace so well, and he controls his emotions, his judgment, his decision-making, and he has such a good, really great judgment on when to make passes. That pass he, he made on Chaz Davis, uh, after trying to get really good runs on the front straightaway, this is in race two, and he wasn't able to make the pass. He made it one time going down in turn one. Chaz Davis came back. Chaz made a pass on him going down into turn five. Um, and it looked like that, that Chaz Davis, obviously with his injuries, he had two broken collarbones over the summer break. The crash on Friday in practice when the engine let go and oil was dry, or, uh, dropped down the rear tire and he crashed. Mm. Chaz was doing everything he could, but the like I said, the pass that ultimately when he took the lead for good on Chaz in between a left and right and a in an air was really perfectly executed. And and what can you say? Jonathan did what he needed to do and, and everybody talks about how good the Kawasaki is, yes, but Jonathan gets the most out of it. It's not the only Kawasaki out there and and it just shows, um, as Jonathan even said afterwards, what can I say? You know, and I'm just so grateful and so privileged and he's correctly it's great he feels that way because everything's shining down on him in a positive way at this moment of course our very own charlie hiscott was here this weekend as well and he's spoken to a few of the riders since the race this afternoon let's listen in jonathan a fantastic ride your opponents just don't really have anything for you I don't know if I had anything for them in that race for a while, to be honest, because, you know, try as I may, I, I had nothing to do, Chaz. You know, even getting the perfect last sector onto the straight. He was a demon on the brakes in T1, so I, was, I had to really pick my mark. But at half distance, I found a good place in T10 where I'd been fast all weekend and uh, then put my head down. But honestly, there was no rest in that race because Mikey was coming strong, but I was getting really good uh, signals from my guys. So, you know, thanks to them doubling up here is... Uh, no, I, I can't, what's happening right now is mad. You know, it's mad. It's not normal. And, um, well, and it's another bit of history because you've done your first ever triple double, six races on the bounce. I can't believe it. No, living the dream, mate. <laughs> well done. Thanks. Marco, well done. How was your race? Yeah, it was very difficult actually because I had a good start, but I couldn't find a, a place to overtake many riders at the beginning. And I took time to come back. I made a few mistakes and to pass Charles. Uh, the only chance I find, I just try to go inside and then we lose time and Vandemar passed me. But uh, it was difficult because Johnny was not uh, pulling away so much today. So I was trying to stay there. But still a few turns, I was very slow and I was catching back in some other corner. But was not enough to try to make uh, some move to... Michael, that uh, they didn't make any mistakes, so they were riding awesome. Well done, Michael. Over, overall, you've had a good weekend, though, haven't you? Yeah, I can say it's good. So, looking forward for Le Mans, uh, for Manicourt, sorry. I really like the tracks. I hope it's going to be dry, and I hope to get a good news for next year. Good luck. Thank you. Can anyone do anything, then, Freddie, to actually get inside the head of Jonathan Ray? Well, it's going to be difficult at this point. I said at the end of the Race 2 broadcast that first and foremost, we've got to see how the V4 is the Ducati. The bike's got to be better because they've, they've got the other manufacturers, Yamaha included, certainly Honda, but Yamaha and Ducati, which are the closest right now to, to Kawasaki, have got to give their riders bikes that they don't have to push so hard on the edge to stay with Jonathan. And that's what's going to have to improve. And then the, the riders themselves are going to have to even prepare better and certainly figure out ways to beat Jonathan. 
I'm brought up the fact of Dovey has done a good job with that when he gets in a battle with Mark, is knowing exactly how to get Mark in a situation. But at the same time, Jonathan really doesn't have any weaknesses. So it's, it's, a, it's an uphill battle, and it's certainly a challenge that we'll have to wait and see if the, the equipment is, is better for the other, other, other teams and what the riders can do to improve themselves. So needless to say, rider of the weekend is Jonathan Ray. Jonathan Ray, yeah. His star tweet. The star tweet this time, we're actually going to go with several tweets, uh, just basically to thank everyone that Tom Sykes, when he was signaling to Jonathan Ray at the end of the race, good spot, everybody. Of course, it was number 66. Jonathan Ray has taken his 66th career win, which, of course, matches Tom Sykes' race number. So he's done 65, his own number, and 66 this weekend as well. Very quickly, Freddie, what about contracts going forward? Tom Sykes, I mean... <laughs> It wouldn't be very good, would it, if Sykes is without a ride next year? Honda possibly a chance, maybe Sean Muir Racing? Well, the two riders that you would think would be most in line to make sure they had factor equipment or competitive equipment would be Sykes and Marco Melandri. Mm. Uh, you would hate to see them because especially, you know, you see what Marco's still doing. I mean, he was right there and pushing um, Jonathan both days. Not quite good enough but certainly was right there, and he's lost his Ducati ride. And Tom Sykes, a, a past world champion, someone that that can, you know, still compete. Um, he doesn't seem to get the most out of the Kawasaki as Jonathan Ray does at this point. And so that doesn't reflect as well on Tom Sykes and his present uh, ability to have a chance of winning or competing for a world championship. But he certainly could benefit a team and you would you would hope that some works out but the honda i know there's been talk with honda and, and maybe eugene laverty maybe tom sykes but i'm sure they would have to look at the equipment level at this point and and see if there's going to be any improvement in that mm. just before we go here's tech talk For Tech Talk, let's talk about gear shifting because we saw some good shots of Vandermark, didn't we, today, and his uh, shifter. Philip Armstrong has tweeted in to say, talking about gear shifting, Ian Hutchinson, for example, has it on the other side of the bike due to his injuries. But just quickly, Freddie, you did discuss this in the commentary today, but why are road shifts and race shifts the other way around in terms of whether you're pushing your foot up or down to change gear? Well, I know I can, I can only speak for myself. You know, coming from um, dirt tracking, I was used to being on the right side, and, and I've run it both what they call street shift or standard shift, one mm. down, four up, or five mm. up. And I've run it the other direction, which is considered race shift. Why race shift? I think at some point, especially on lighter bikes, there was a stability issue I found when, you know, up shifting, you're shifting up, which first, you know, if you're in sixth gear, fifth, fourth, third would be, you'd bring the lever, gear, lever up. And it was real easy and nice and, and less upsetting, especially if you're in a corner when you're pushing down on it, where it just clicks down and not pulling your leg up. And I, so I, I'm not completely sure the origins of the reason why it's, it's called race shift, but I know that that's how it benefited me. And I use race shift left side as my primary shifting pattern. Finally, Freddie, thank you very much for looking after me today because I was very ill overnight with some food poisoning or a stomach bug or something, so thank you very much. You handled today like a true champion, Greg. Great <laughs> job. It was, it was great to be with you. Nice to hear that from Freddie Spencer. Thanks, Freddie. See you at Magnicor. 
back here in Lisbon. I'm just about to rush off for my flight, so I'm going to do that now. But we'll have James Whitten with us on next week's show as we look back at BSB for Moulton Park and look ahead to BSB at Assen and World Superbikes at Magnicor. It will be the second round of the BSB showdown and Jonathan Ray's first chance at equaling that fourth world title previously achieved by Carl Fogarty. But just before we go, there was all that talk, wasn't there, in Portimao about those remarkable glasses of Marco Melandri. If you didn't see them, they had Italian flags on them, but actually no lenses. So I had to get down into the pit lane and ask him what all that was about. So to play us out, here's Marco Melandri, and we'll speak to you in the podcast next week. Marco, just a really quick one. Um, the glasses, first of all, you have to tell us that what is the full story? No, actually, the reality is because uh, <laughs> I can use always, even for interview yeah. on the TV. Yeah, true. But I don't like the people make interview on the TV with sunglasses, mm. so you cannot see the eyes. Yeah, so like that, you can see the eyes, but yeah. you can use the glasses. So. so did you buy them with no lenses? No, I just broke them. <laughs> oh, you broke them, so you took the other one out. Yeah. I thought that might have happened. up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com <laughs> <laughs> 